Welcome to this week's edition of Leading with Confidence. My name is Confidence Sileme and I'm your host. This program is proudly powered by the William Sileme Foundation and the Foundation's mission is Enabling Education in Africa. This week, I'd like us to discuss a topic I've titled Ingredients for Effective Leadership. Ingredients for Effective Leadership. What are the ingredients you need to include in your leadership dish in order to make sure that it's healthy and good for the building up of your people. It should be the desire of every leader to nurture and feed those that he or she leads. It should be integral to your vision and it should be at the core of your mission. The ingredients for good leadership are numerous and we'll mention a couple of them in this section. Number one, integrity and character. The first ingredients we must discuss are integrity and character. These are the base ingredients and without them, anything else that may be added will not result in a wholesome, nutritious dish. There are leaders who are charismatic, talented, attractive and so forth, but their lack of integrity and their deficiency of character has caused their leadership to crumble and fall apart. Their influence has diminished and their names have become synonymous with scandal, deceit and corruption. The ingredients of integrity and character are what hold your leadership dish together. They are at the epicenter of all that you do and all that you want to achieve in your leadership. They help you create the necessary trust and respect without which you will be no leader at all. If, for example, you are a brilliant orator and you are able to communicate your vision with conviction, but you are sleeping around with your staff, your lack of integrity and deficiency of character will make those you lead mistrust and disrespect you. If you possess a brand ability to formulate strategy but you are stealing from the organization, your followers will have little regard for you and your influence with them will dwindle. Integrity is integral to sound, proper and effective leadership. Integrity means you are able to stand even as the winds of test and temptation blow your way. It means that you can be trusted with resources and trusted with responsibility. It means that when the opportunity to do a corrupt deal or take advantage of a junior staff comes along, you will do what is upright. Character is the predictability of ethical behavior. It means that we can safely predict what your actions will be in a particular situation because you have built a track record of good moral conduct. Notice here that character is built over a period of time. How is a house built? It is built brick by brick by brick, and all the bricks will look the same. This means that you need to be consistent in your daily actions if you want to be known as a person of character. If you are erratic and unstable in your ways, the stability of your character will be questioned. If you are hot today and cold tomorrow, we won't easily trust you. If you say one thing yet do another, our respect for you will diminish. Leaders of sound character are leaders people are able to invest in because they know that there is a guarantee of return. They will invest their time, talent and other resources helping such leaders because they know that at the end of the day, those leaders will not betray their trust and commitment given to them. B. Self-confidence and confidence in those you lead. There are few forces as destructive as a leader who doesn't believe in him or herself and those they lead. Such a leader will second-guess every decision they make, causing those that follow them to second-guess themselves too. 
Their constant doubt and anxiety will cause people to stop following them and start seeking out leaders who are more secure in their identity and who have a greater faith in their convictions. Lack of self-confidence isn't an indication of incompetence. There are people who are brilliant at what they do, yet they do not believe in themselves. Lack of self-confidence is an indication of a seared perception. What do I mean by this? When something has been seared, it means that it has been burned, and so the notion of a seared self-perception implies that one's view of themselves has been hurt or distorted by some events, some experiences, or some people. It may be a person who was a brilliant student at school, but their parents were never satisfied with what they produced even though they were a top performer. It may be someone who was told by a previous boss that they were not good enough in their job, and that statement has caused them to question their own worth and ability. Such types of searing causes injury to a person's soul, and it hurts their self-confidence. If no healing takes place, it can contaminate a person's view of themselves and the world, and cause them to manufacture their own failure. One of the symptoms of low self-confidence is a constant and unhealthy need for affirmation from other people. If other people don't tell you that you look good or that you did well, then you don't feel that you achieved anything. This goes beyond the necessity for feedback. It is an over-reliance on people's opinions about you. It is depending on others to like you in order for you to like yourself. An insecure leader cannot offer any security to his or her followers. And when there is no security, there is no real leadership. After all, one of the reasons people follow others is that those people are deemed to be able to offer some security to them. In politics, for example, people vote for the leader whom they deem able to offer security. When joining an organization, we do so because we are convinced that the people running it know what they are doing and will be able to offer security and job stability. If you have little or no confidence in yourself, it will be hard for you to inspire confidence in anybody else. That's why leaders with low self-confidence are so destructive. They can transfer their insecurity to those they lead and end up developing leaders who also have low self-confidence. It's a vicious cycle where insecure leaders crush the confidence of the emerging leaders, resulting in those emerging leaders becoming insecure as well. Your leadership dish will lack real substance if you lack self-confidence and confidence in those you lead. Ask yourself what the source of your lack of self-confidence is. What events in your life and which people in your life have instilled within you that spirit of timidity? Find that root and decide to uproot it lest it continues producing undesirable fruit in your life. Start nourishing yourself with healthy relationships that build you up rather than tear you down. Start listening to positive self-esteem building content and start being more decisive in your life and in your leadership. Number three, willingness and humility to learn. A leader who isn't consistently learning is a leader whose effectiveness will dwindle and diminish over time. We live in an age where we need to be constantly in the know about current trends, events, technologies, and so forth. Knowledge is increasing at a great pace, and if you want to lead in today's era, you cannot be lax about learning and developing. Knowledge isn't in short supply, and accessing it is easier than ever before. Whatever topic you can think of, there are people who have spent time mining the info and data and gathering it in such a way that is easy to digest. Question is, are you hungry for it? Are you willing to take some time out and eat at the buffet of knowledge available to those who desire it? The danger with this is that some of the knowledge you may encounter may be erroneous.
Knowledge is in such rich supply, but some of it can lead to poor thinking. So, you have to know what is good for eating and building your life and your leadership up, and what is unhealthy and destructive. Don't just eat everything that is served to you, because an indiscriminate eater is prone to falling sick. Check the source of information and verify the reliability thereof. It also takes humility to learn. One has to admit that one does not know something in order for one to learn that particular thing. It is hard for a prideful person to admit they do not know or that they need assistance with anything. A prideful leader is a leader who is on their way down. They will not grow in knowledge and they will not grow those whom they are leading. You have to be willing to learn and humble enough to learn if you want to be an effective leader. Number four, desire to train and mentor those you lead. You may know the popular adage that states, a leader's function is to create more leaders, not more followers. Well, one of the most pivotal ways to create more leaders is by training and teaching those whom you are currently leading. Training and teaching is about transferring valuable knowledge to others with the intention of empowering and uplifting them. If you aren't training and teaching people, you aren't really leading. Those around you must grow as a result of your desire to train and teach them. And it's not just about the desire to do it. It's about translating your desire into action and implementing plans that will lead to that development. Do you have a development strategy for those you lead or do you imagine that growth and development will happen automatically? It's important to communicate with those you lead, identify the areas in which they need training and upskilling in, and then resource and facilitate the development. And it's not just about outsourcing their training needs. You must make time for personal coaching and mentoring of your people. Set up coaching sessions where you critically meet with them to speak to them about their roles, goals, and visions and how they can further their progress. Doing so will position your organization for growth and success and you'll also create an internal pool of great leadership talent. One of the risks of having exceptionally well-trained and well-mentored people is that such people become attractive to other organizations. A shining star attracts much attention and your star performers are likely to get offers from competitors within your sector. This is no reason for you not to train and upskill them. Leaders seek to add value to the people and they want those they interact with to become better versions of themselves as a result of having encountered them. Yes, some will leave and when they do, make sure that they live on good terms with you and the organization. Don't harbor any resentment. Invest in them with a purity of heart. Let your motive be a pure desire for their advancement and progress. Also, create opportunities to accommodate their growth and give them more than enough reasons to stay. I read a quote that said, train people well enough so they can leave. Treat them well enough so they don't want to. Close quote. You must also encourage peer-to-peer -peer coaching amongst your people. It is essential for the building of team morale and the development of a positive teamwork spirit. It is through lifting one another up that a team rises to great heights of achievement. When your people help one another achieve team mandates and they help to carry each other's loads, then getting to the desired destination will be a lot easier to achieve and the goals will be more rewarding to accomplish. Number five, empathy and compassion. It's hard to impact people you're not connected to. If you are to impact those you lead, you have to be within arm's reach so that you are able to touch them. You have to relate to them and be able to feel what they feel and see what they see. 
the empathetic and compassionate leader is an effective leader because he or she is able to connect emotionally with those they lead. If you are not touched by the issues and problems faced by those you lead, you will exhibit no sense of agency in helping to alleviate those issues and problems. A disconnected leader will fail to grasp what the real issues are in his or her organization. They will invest their energy in things that they shouldn't and they will always be fixing at the surface level instead of addressing the root causes. They will become like a doctor who merely treats the symptoms without ever taking the cause. If the root isn't addressed, then the same fruits will be produced time and time again. For example, if you have cultural issues within your organization and people are constantly resigning and your solution is to build a strong relationship with a good recruitment agent who will be sure to get you new people every time someone leaves, then you are addressing the problem at the wrong level. Perhaps you decide that you are going to hire only older people since the majority of those who left were younger people and they seem to be problematic or immature. This approach will still not suffice because the main issues have not been addressed. Unless the hole at the bottom of the bucket is repaired, unless the hole at the bottom is repaired, the bucket will continue to leak and water will continue to drop to the floor. The issue in such an organization could be that people feel they are being micromanaged by the leader and they are made to feel small, incompetent and insignificant. If the leader does not address this and change their leadership style, then people will continue to jump ship and the growth of the organization will be stifled as a result. There are many organizations that have the potential to become bigger and better, but because they are led by people who refuse to tackle the main issues that are prevalent in those organizations, those organizations are hitting the proverbial glass ceiling and are unable to become all that they can become. This can be rectified when leaders decide that they want to be more empathetic towards those they lead. You must decide that you will come down from the tall tower and you'll walk the road that those you lead are walking. You must decide that you will put yourself in their position and get an accurate sense of their emotions and their experiences. You must decide that you will listen to their dissatisfactions and feel their agony. When you do this, you have added empathy to your leadership meal and by so doing, you will have added an essential ingredient that will allow you to serve those you lead in a better way. Empathy connects the leader to those he or she leads and once there is a connection, true change can happen. People will feel that their leaders hear them and they feel their pain. When people feel that they are being heard and that what they feel is being felt by those who lead them, they will be much more responsive to those leaders. The leader will no longer be viewed as being detached, rather they will be viewed as someone who is connected and interested. They will move away from being complacent and they will take large steps towards achieving greater effectiveness. They will go from being an agent who merely maintains the status quo to being an agent of positive change and transformative growth. Some leaders are sympathetic, but they are not empathetic and compassionate. Sympathy looks from afar and says, ah, shame, that's terrible. Empathy and compassion come closer, holds the hand and says, I feel your pain. Here's what I'm going to do to help you. The world does not need sympathetic leaders who look from a distance without doing anything to help people. The world needs leaders who are moved with empathy and who are compassionate enough to get involved and make a tangible difference. Number six, fun and enjoyment. Fun is the spice of life. Many seemingly boring, tasteless dishes can be brought to life by merely adding spice to them. When you add fun as an ingredient in your leadership recipe, your dish will be far more delectable. 
By fun, we don't mean being outlandish and crazy. We don't mean doing abnormal and absurd things or, or going out of your way to be viewed as being fun. Spice can turn an average dish into a great dish, but too much spice can also ruin a dish. Being a fun leader simply means that you are able to be candid with those that you lead. It means you are able to laugh with them and perhaps be a little silly at times. Too many leaders are rigid and uptight with those that they lead. They never let a smile or some laughter escape them. They want to maintain an authoritarian image and they don't want those they lead to get too familiar with them. They believe that familiarity breeds contempt, as the adage goes. Yes, familiarity can breed contempt, but we shouldn't let this notion dictate our approach to leadership. We shouldn't let it morph us into cold, distant leaders who are feared by those we lead. When you add fun, you become more approachable as a leader, and when you are approachable, people respect rather than fear you. Being fun means you are able to let your guard down. It means breaking down the walls and allowing those you lead to get to know you and feel your warmth. One of the most important elements about being a fun leader is humor. Humor is a bridge that helps to connect the leader to those he or she leads. A humorous leader is easy to talk to and to confide in. Humor makes people more comfortable in your presence and it puts them at ease. It allows people to be more open than they would normally be. This in turn allows you to gain deeper insights into your people and your organization. And when you gain this insight, you are able to become much more effective as a leader. On a scale of 1 to 10, how fun are you as a leader? Be honest now. Are you closer to 1 or closer to 10? When you chat or have meetings with those you lead, do you create an atmosphere of fun engagement and humor or is it all serious and all strict? Do you crack jokes and tell funny stories? Perhaps you don't feel that you are naturally fun or naturally humorous. This is something you can work on and develop. You can learn interesting jokes and stories that you can readily tell. You can develop your sense of fun and humor by learning to find and see the funniness in certain situations. You can also engage the naturally humorous people in your team and give them a stage or platform to be freely humorous so that there is fun and laughter among the team. We say that fun is the spice of life, but some people view it as the dessert. Spice is added to the main meal and it accentuates the flavor of the meal. Dessert is had after the main meal and it is an optional extra. When you've had your meal, the waiter comes to you and asks whether you'd like to have dessert. Some people say yes to the dessert and some don't. Some leaders act as if fun is an optional extra and just as one may say no to the offer of dessert, they say no to fun. Number 7. Selflessness It's very easy for leaders to become self-centered. After all, people are always coming to you for advice, they are always seeking your favor and approval, and they often lean heavily upon your knowledge and your influence. All these and other factors of leadership can contribute to a leader's ego becoming very inflated and if this goes unchecked, they can easily cease being a leader and start being an egomaniac. When a leader becomes this way, their influence and effectiveness begins eroding away and they start losing the trust and confidence of those they lead. Look at the word selflessness. It is made up primarily of two words which are self and less. Simply put, it tells us that we must consider ourselves and our needs less and prioritize the needs of others more. This is one of the core mandates of leadership. Now, it doesn't mean that you neglect yourself or pretend that you don't have wants, needs and desires. It just means that you reach a level of maturity where you understand that it's not all about you. 
Someone once said that when I becomes we, even illness becomes wellness. Self-centeredness is an illness and the cure to this illness is selflessness. Leaders who are able to add selflessness as an essential ingredient in their leadership recipe gain much rapport with those they lead. When people know that you value the collective and are merely concerned with your individual aspirations, they will value your leadership a lot more. They will willingly follow you because they'll be secure in the knowledge that following you is beneficial to them as well. This cannot happen if you are self-centered. If everything is done to meet your targets, needs and aspirations, and there's little or nothing in it for those you lead, then you create teams and individuals who are despondent, unhappy and unwilling to give their best to the team. We must always remember that leadership is more about giving than it is about getting. Don't get into leadership with a, what will I get out of this mentality? Rather ask, what am I willing to give? It is in the act of giving that great leaders are produced, not in the act of receiving. It's not just about what you give, but also what you give up. Self-centeredness is something that all leaders need to give up. When you give up self-centeredness, it will become easier to give to others. You won't find it difficult to give support, give resources, guidance and nourishment to those you lead. Indeed, if we are to become great leaders, we must fight our selfish nature. The truth of the matter is that it's ingrained in us as human beings to be selfish. If you want to discover this for yourself, study how most children behave. They are always speaking about what they want and what they need. They are self-centered because they are children. It's expected of them to be this way. As leaders, we must display greater maturity than this. We cannot remain in this childish state of self-centeredness and selfishness if we desire to become great leaders. Just because self-centeredness and selfishness come naturally to us as human beings, it doesn't mean we can't be nurtured out of it. We can outgrow this natural proclivity and become the kind of leaders that our society, our families and our organizations need. As children, we are taught to think about others more, to become more grateful and to exhibit greater concern and love. We are nurtured out of our selfish nature. This is the process we need to undergo as leaders. The character trait of selflessness is one of the attributes that separates ordinary leaders from the greats. It's the reason that great leaders are deemed to be such a rare breed. In reality, great leaders become great not by biology but by choice. They choose to go against the natural instinct of selfishness and by so doing they become great. In essence, they choose to do what is hard. In your own leadership, are you doing what is easy but destructive to your leadership? Or are you doing what is hard but developmental? They say that if you are willing to do what most aren't willing to do, you will have what most aren't going to have. Close quote. It's logic. If everyone is going south and you decide to go north or west, you'll reach a destination that they want because you chose a different direction. If you decide to become selfless as a leader, you'll achieve things most leaders want. You'll have a level of influence that most leaders only dream of. Think of any great leader that has impacted the world in a powerful way and you notice that one of their most potent traits was their selflessness. They thought more about the needs of those they led than they did about their own needs. What caliber of leader do you wish to be? Many leaders have charisma, they have competence in their respective fields. They have talent, yet many of them never become great. Yes, they are revered and remembered for their various achievements, yet they never quite reach that final level of being regarded 
as great in the truest sense. Many times it's because they lack the selflessness to make a deeper impact on society and on those that they lead. Think of the countless corporate leaders that have walked the hallways of the thousands of corporations around the world. Many of them were very talented, but how many of them are regarded as being great? Only a handful of names come up when we mention greatness. Many achieved bottom line results, but how many touched people's lives in a deep and meaningful way? How many of them prioritized not just the growth of the bottom line in their own pockets, but also the growth of the people on their teams and the development of society at large? Well, we've come to the end of this week's edition. Thank you so much for tuning in right here on Lady with Confidence. Cheers.